Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How many believe Jesus came to talk to us today? Praise God. I feel his presence here. So thankful for what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. Thankful for the atmosphere of worship, the tone that was set here this morning. I understand you guys have been having some uh, incredible services around here the last couple of nights leading up uh, to this weekend. And uh, the Bible lets us know the principles of the kingdom, the principles of the word is line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. That's why you can't afford to miss one service. That's why you can't afford to miss one youth week, one youth service, whatever it is. Because it might just be that next line or that next precept that God wants to add to your life that's going to get you through the struggle or the battle or the mountain or whatever it is that you're facing right then. Delighted to be here with you to join my voice with your pastor, your youth pastor, your youth team, and uh, my friend with Anthony Bailey, who's been here the last couple of nights. Uh, I appreciate him, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It has been, um, I'm not sure if I did something wrong or not, but it's been, <laughs> he's already laughing because he knows what I'm about to say. Uh, it's been, I believe, since 2002 that I preached, in, the, in fact, uh, Terry Cox was still pastoring and alive uh, with Anthony Cox when the last time I preached in this pulpit. So I'm not sure what I said wrong to take a 20-year delay to coming back. But whatever it was, I'm going to try not to say it again today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was, yeah, I think 2000. How many of you were not alive in 2002? Let's, let's just say, how many of you were not alive in 2002? Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. I love Brother and Sister Cox. I love their family. I love what they stand for. Powerful, powerful couple uh, used of God. Came and blessed our church several months ago in the Quad Cities and just uh, had a divine word from the Lord. And we kept him over for a few days. Thank you for letting him stay over for a few days. But you have some precious leadership in this church that God has anointed and gifted. I'm super happy to be here. I'm super happy to have a crew from the sanctuary today. Today, made the long three-hour drive to come worship with us and and be with us this morning. Good to have my family here. My wife, Amy Levine. My sons here and there. My daughter, it's my daughter Finley's birthday today, her eighth birthday today. And so we're celebrating. She could think of no better thing she would rather do on the Saturday of her birthday than be in church and hear dad preach. It's just, that's the height of her birthday present. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, maybe not. It's great to be in the presence of God here this morning. Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. I'm going to do something this morning that I uh, don't ever do. Uh, and your pastor and I were talking about this last night. We're both uh, pretty strict and detailed note preachers and uh, have 
pretty detailed notes, and we've shared some preaching notes at times, and uh, he and I both preach from very detailed and, and, and well-worked-out uh, sermon notes. Um, but a thought dropped in my spirit about a week ago, and I wrote down one phrase, and um, I, I was planning to preach something else this morning. It never did settle with me in about 10.30 this morning. Uh, which is about an hour ago, right, was you guys were starting prayer. The Lord just would not let me get away from this thought. Uh, so this is not flushed out yet, but I do think the Lord wants to talk to us through this text. Judges chapter 7, verse number 13. The Bible says, and Gideon, I'm reading from the New King James Version. When Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream. Everybody say a dream to his companion, and he said, for I have had, everybody say a dream, I'd had a dream, to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Look at your neighbor and say, barley bread. In verse 14, then his companion answered and interpreted the dream like this. This is what he said. This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. The Bible says in verse 15, last verse we'll read. And so it was that when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, that he Worshipped. Can I tell you, if you could get a glimpse of the dreams that God has for your life, it would result in some sincere worship and some thanksgiving and a lifted voice and a raised hand. If you could just get a glimpse of the victory God has in store for you. He heard the interpretation. He worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel. And he said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. We're going to call this today, I'm going to preach about, uh, I'm going to preach about cheap bread. Everybody say cheap bread and pricey dreams. Look at your neighbor and say cheap bread. Look at your neighbor and say you ain't nothing but cheap bread. <laughs> cheap bread and pricey dreams. One more time before you're seated, uh, would you just lift up your voice, lift up your hands, bow your head, whatever way you're comfortable, would you just invite Jesus to talk directly to your heart? I know you've probably got a lot else planned for today. Saturday is young, but would you just focus your mind for the next 30 minutes or so? Would you allow God to focus your spirit right now? Lift up your voice. Uh, talk to Jesus. Jesus, focus my heart. Focus my mind, God. Focus my spirit on what you want to say, what you want to do. God, we know that you want to move God, I know I'm confident that you want to speak to us today. God, I don't know what that's all going to look like, but you do. And so I am praying right now that you would release your power, release your presence, let it have free work and reign among your people today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And all the young people shout amen. All the young people shout amen. And all the wannabes shout amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I grew up, and I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but 
we were we were poor as dirt. Anybody ever heard that before? We we hardly had two nickels to rub together. I grew up and I never got new clothes. I was uh, blessed by garage sales and goodwills, and somebody else has the same testimony. Uh, the problem with garage sales and goodwills is that the clothes never seemed to just fit quite right. Uh, there would be holes in the pants, or the knee mark would be worn in a place where my knee was not, <laughs> and it was just awkward sometimes, and the shoes didn't quite fit all the time. Sometimes they were too big. Sometimes they were too small. I remember uh, growing up on 33rd Street, and there were times that we had very little to eat. Uh, We had very little in the refrigerator, and it would be the kindness of people in the community sometimes that would reach out and would help our family have food. But I distinctly remember I distinctly remember going to, we had a bread store down the street from us, and we would go there on these certain days when they would sell uh, day-old bread. Now, that's rough living. Some of you don't even, this doesn't even compute with you. But when the bread had expired and started to get a little stale, they would discount the bread. And so, guess what bread we were looking for? The stale, has anybody ever ate stale bread before? You haven't lived until you've made yourself a bologna sandwich and you get about halfway through and you see some green fur growing on your bread that you hadn't spotted. Anybody ever been there before? And uh, you, you ever been there where you check the loaf of bread and then you pick off the little, it's only one little piece like the rest is good. My, my boy Rima's been there too. Yeah. Anybody else been there? You just pick it off and I mean the rest of the bread is just fine. If you can't see it, it's just fine. If you, if you did grow up like that, you probably don't need the vaccination. You're probably immune to COVID. We ate lots of penicillin right on the bread. But I remember we would look for the cheapest bread you could find. And back when I was a kid, there were two types of bread that were always the cheapest. They were, uh, there was this Wonder Bread, which I think they still have today, right? And, and you could take a piece of Wonder Bread and you could crumple it up in your hand and make it into a ball about that big. There was, it was nothing but air and starch. And you could, you could crumple it up. And then there was this, I think it was called Butternut or, or Butter Bread or something. But, I mean, this stuff was so cheap, even at full price. But now we were buying it at a discount. It was cheap bread. And I remember walking into the store and my mom would say, look for the cheapest bread. Look for the cheapest loaf possible. Because back then we weren't, we weren't worried about health and we weren't buying the seven grain multi, you know, whatever uh, bread to be healthy and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I, I'm a little more interested in that stuff now that I'm in my 40s and a little older having to pay attention to things like that. But back then you were just looking for something to put in your stomach as cheap as possible. Has anybody ever ate cheap bread before? Cheap white bread that's just like fluff. We'd walk into the store and the instructions were look for the cheapest bread possible. The cheapest bread possible. That's just how we grew up. I didn't think much of it then until I got a little older. Didn't think much of it until I 
started to spend some time at my friend's house, and I saw that there were actually other brands of bread. And there was actually, you know, things that were not generic label that you could buy from the store. Uh, but, but I grew up, somebody say cheap bread. Grew up eating cheap bread because it was all that we could afford. The Bible tells us in the text that we read that the Lord allowed an enemy of the people of God to compare the people of God to cheap bread. To compare the a specific child of God to a loaf of cheap bread. In, in the Bible times, it was it was barley bread. It wasn't it wasn't Wonder Bread or Butternut, but it was it was barley bread that was the most common or cheap form of grain bread. In fact, in most societies in Bible times, uh, normal people like you and I would never eat barley bread would never eat a loaf of bread that was made with barley meal. In fact, that was the kind of meal that they would grind up and they would serve to pigs. They would serve to cattle. They would sustain their their animals, their livestock, with, with barley grain and with barley bread. It would only be someone who was extremely poor. It would be someone who was extremely destitute that would uh, have, have maybe no other resource or no other option, no other way, but that would be forced to eat barley bread, would be forced to eat cheap bread. And so in our text, the Bible lets us know that God is in the process of giving Gideon this massive victory. God is in the process of giving the people of God through the leadership of Gideon this great victory over the mighty army of the Midianites. And in the process of this victory, maybe a few of you have heard the story before. Gideon starts out with about 32,000 men, warriors, which was still a drop in the bucket in comparison to the armies of Midian. But it was still maybe maybe a formidable foe that, that maybe they would have had a chance against the army of Midian but of course God says no that's that's not what I want to do and he pairs that army down to 10,000 and then he pairs that army down again to about 300 people can I pause here and tell you that sometimes in God's economy and in God's eyes and God's estimation what we think is great and grand and large is really viewed as a negative in God's economy. Gideon thought that he would be, uh, it would be more advantageous to him to go up against the Midianites with the larger army. And we sometimes think that maybe God can get a better victory or bring greater victory or dominion into our life or produce a greater calling in our future if we have some big talent or if we have some grand ability or if we have uh, something really great or special to offer the kingdom of God. But sometimes it's those very things uh, that God shies away from because if God allows you to get victory through some massive talent 
talent of your own or through some grand scheme or plan of your own. It just might be that I might be able to take some credit for the thing, that I might be able to pat myself on the back and get some glory out of it myself. And the Bible is clear that God is a jealous God. He will not share his glory with another. He is a jealous God. And when God gets victory out of your life, it is he and he alone that desires to be glorified. And so God has a way of stripping us down and reducing us to where we are completely and utterly dependent on him. And so God walks Gideon through this process of losing his army. He's about to go. When you're about to go to battle, the last thing you want to do is lose your army. He loses his army from over 30,000 to 10,000. And then they go down to 300 and, and they're shaking their heads. And there's a whole lot of preach in that part where they're pared down in the army. But that's not the focus of a message here today. They're, they're pared down to, to some 300 men. And, and Gideon, you can imagine, is still a bit overwhelmed. He's still a bit discouraged. He's, he, no, no doubt he's scratching his head. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but. Some of you have looked at your life. You've looked at the dreams, the visions that God has placed in your spirit. Some of you have looked in the mirror and you've looked at your family and you've looked at your circumstances and you've had the very same questions that Gideon has had. God, I don't know how you're ever going to do anything with this. God, I'm not sure you can ever get any glory out of this. Maybe it was IYC that you just came from recently and maybe at, at, at youth convention, maybe while Brother Jackson was preaching, God spoke something into your spirit, but now a few weeks remove and you're back surrounded by your circumstances at home. You ask yourself, how could this ever be? How, I just don't see how this could ever happen. That's the scenario that Gideon was in. And so God does something interesting. God speaks to Gideon. God speaks to Gideon in that moment. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down. I want you to sneak down at night to the camp of Midian. I want you to sneak down, and I want you just to see what they're doing. Now, Gideon's even afraid of that. And so God says to Gideon, why don't you take your servant? So he takes his servant, and they sneak down to the camp of Midian in the night. As they get near the camp, they hear the enemy talking. And when they hear the enemy talking, there, there's a revelation that hits Gideon's spirit. He hears one of the enemy telling another one of the enemy of a dream that he had just had. Now let me pause right here just for a second. Is there anybody that thinks that God gave the enemy that dream by accident? Is there anybody that thinks that the, the enemy had this dream because of the pizza they ate last night? I firmly believe that the enemy's dream was orchestrated by God himself. Because God knew that Gideon was going to need a word of faith and encouragement before he went to battle. God knew exactly what Gideon was going to need and exactly what Gideon was going to need to hear. And so God went to the great lengths of orchestrating a dream that the enemy would have and that Gideon would overhear. Can I tell you, God knows how to boost your faith today. God knows how to raise your level of expectation if you will let him. 
Now hold on just a minute. If Gideon would have sat in the camp of the Israelites, uh, and if he would have said, no, Lord, uh, I'm not going down there. There's no way. Do you know how many there, if they catch me, they'll kill me, they'll torture me, I'm done for. If he would have just sat in the camp and not been obedient to God, he would have died in that dilemma. He would have never had the faith. And you know what God would have done? God would have skipped over him, I believe, and raised somebody else up uh, to lead the army to victory. What's that mean for us today? I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have the faith that God wants you to have, you first got to learn to be obedient to the voice of God. If you're going to have dominion and victory in your life over your circumstances, uh, you've got to learn how to be obedient to the voice of God. When God says, get up and go, you got to get up and go. When God says it's time to lift up your voice, you better lift up your voice. Uh, When God says respond to my voice, respond to my spirit, uh, you better respond to the voice and the spirit of God. I I, I told our church this last week uh, that faith wears work clothes. Uh, I don't see faith anywhere in the Bible where it's not put on a pair of work boots uh, and a set of work clothes. Faith uh, knows how to get out and go to work. Faith uh, gets up in the morning, puts on its work boots, uh, and goes to work. So if you want God to increase your faith, uh, you got to be willing to respond to the voice of God. So Gideon gets up, he responds to the voice of God. He goes down, he hears these two enemies talking. And as these two enemies are talking, he says, listen to the dream that I had. I had a dream that we were all camped out here in our cozy tents. And and we're sipping on hot chocolate and coffee. And man, we're roasting weenies over the fire and roasted marshmallows and s'mores. And we're just having a little... Good old camping time out here in our tents. And all of a sudden, a giant loaf of bread. That's a weird dream. As we're roasting marshmallows camping, a giant loaf of bread comes rolling down the hill and smashes all these tents, flattens everything. And it wasn't just any loaf of bread. It wasn't like that Dave's seven grain bread that's, you know, five bucks a loaf. It was cheap bread. It was white bread. It was wonder bread. It was butternut bread. It it, it was a barley loaf. I mean, the cheapest bread you could find in the market. Cheap bread. Somebody shout, cheap bread. Cheap bread, bread that everybody would look at and say is worthless. Bread that everybody would look at and pass up. Bread that if if you were walking through a buffet line and there was all kinds of bread, you would never select the cheap bread. Bread that if if you were were going to the store and getting breakfast, uh, you would never want your breakfast sandwich to be made on that cheap bread. That very cheap bread, that barley loaf uh, that nobody would have wanted uh, and nobody would have given a second thought to, uh, the enemy says it was a loaf of barley bread that came down and smashed the entire camp of the Midianites Uh, and his friend looks at him and says whoa I've got the interpretation now as crazy as the dream was Pastor Cox how he had this interpretation I don't know how this is like that new math I don't know how you get this out of that 
It doesn't make sense to me. He sees a picture of cheap bread rolling down the hill and smashing all the tents. And he says, I've got the interpretation. The interpretation is the cheap piece of bread represents Gideon. And Gideon and the people of God are about to come down and smash everything we have and win the victory. It would blow your mind to see how your enemy views you versus how sometimes you view yourself. Some of you look at yourself as just a loaf of cheap bread that nobody wants, nobody has any use for. There's not anybody looking for this. There's not, maybe somebody has to deal with it, but nobody wants to consume it. But the enemy looks at it and says, you know what God can do? God can do a miracle with cheap bread. God can do a miracle with a barley loaf that nobody else wants, nobody asks for, nobody prefers. I wish somebody lift up your voice right now, lift up your hands, uh, lift up your voice uh, and say, God, I give you everything that I am, everything that I have. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Say, God, I give you everything that I have, everything that I am, uh, everything that I'm not. Come on, I wish somebody pray about a 10 or 15 second prayer right now. Somebody tap back into that spirit of prayer we had here just a moment ago. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 And so Gideon overhears the enemy saying God's going to use cheap bread. Somebody say that's me. God's going to use cheap bread to win the victory here today against the Midianites. And Gideon goes back with faith in his soul that God has spoken and he has heard the enemy and God is going to make a way and God is going to give us a victory. Can I tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost, what I felt this morning and couldn't get away from? That I'm preaching to some young people that are gathered here that you have looked at your life as cheap bread. You've looked at your life as if there is not much to offer. Maybe you've looked at the balance of your life and it feels like uh, your, your liabilities outweigh your assets. Uh, maybe you look at your life, the balance of your life, uh, and it seems like there is more stacked against you uh, than is stacked for you. Uh, maybe you've looked at your life and you've said my family's messed up or I, I, I don't have this or I don't have that. I don't have this going for me like everybody else seems to have it going for them. Uh, and there's just no way that God can do anything great out of this, uh, out of my life. Let me tell you what I've not come to do here today. I've not come to lie to you about your situation. I'm sure there are some young people here that got a pretty messed up deal. I'm sure there are some young people here. I know there are some young people here that, that it, you got it pretty bad. The odds are absolutely stacked against you. I, I know I'm talking to some young people here that that you do have, it, it, it by, by the natural eye, by the naked eye, you've got more against you than for you. But can I just ask you a, a very simple question? When has God ever needed the odds in his favor? 
When has God ever needed everything to be right and the mightiest of warriors and the best weather conditions and the best battle conditions? When has God ever needed everything to be perfect uh, to get a victory? I'm coming uh, to preach to you today uh, and recognize the fact, yeah, some of you are coming from cheap bread. Uh, Some of you are living a life of cheap bread. Uh, But God doesn't need anything but cheap bread uh, to win a victory in your life. Uh, God doesn't need everything to be together. God doesn't need everything to be perfect. Uh, But God's just looking if there's anybody in this room that'll get a dream that's bigger than your cheap bread. God's looking to see if there's anybody in this room that'll say, I've got a desire, I've got a dream. God, I know you can do something with me that is greater than my circumstance. Come on, somebody lift up your voice to God right now. I'm just about done preaching. Somebody lift up your voice to God right now. I wish somebody would lift up your voice, uh, not just out of protocol and not just because it's the appropriate time of the service, uh, but I wish somebody would lift up your voice to God right now and say, Lord, I want you to get glory out of my life. Uh, God, I give you my existence. Uh, I give you everything I am. I give you everything I'm not. I give you everything about me. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and just talk to Jesus for about 10 seconds. I'm not preaching to everybody this morning. I know that. I'm preaching to some folks that you recognize. You got cheap bread in your life, but you also acknowledge that the power of God is upon you. And there's some dreams in you that are very costly. They're going to cost you something. They're pricey dreams because it's going to cost you giving every bit of what you have and every bit of what you don't into the hands of the master. But if you will put your cheap bread in the hands of the wonder worker, can I tell you what he's known to do. He is known to break bread and to bless bread. He is known to multiply bread and to feed the multitudes. Can I tell you what he's known to do? He's known to take the brokenness of your life. Uh, That's what Jesus did. Uh, And he doesn't need a truckload of the best uh, the world has. He can just use a little boy's lunch of cheap bread. uh, And he can feed an entire multitude. I wonder who and what in your life God is trying to feed. uh, If you'll just let him break the cheap bread. uh, If you'll let him bless the cheap bread. uh, If you'll let him multiply the cheap bread. uh, If you'll let him spread the cheap bread. Come on, one more time. Hands lifted all across this place. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody talk to God right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and talk to him for just a moment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Uh, God doesn't need what you don't have. Uh, God's looking for you to give him what you do. Uh, God doesn't need what you don't have and what you didn't bring. Uh, God's just looking for you to give him what you do have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, somebody just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
I'm talking to you about a woman as musicians can come. I'm talking to you about a woman named Esther who was raised by her uncle, who had no family in her, on her side, who, who was raised, her parents were gone. She has no close family, but yet God says, Esther, I'm going to use you to save an entire nation. I'm talking to you about a boy named Moses uh, who is raised in a foster home and isn't even wanted. He is surrounded by heathens. He's surrounded by godless people, and yet God says, I'm going to use you to be a deliverer to lead a mighty army and an exodus. Uh, if you'll just give what you have and what you don't have to me. I'm talking to you about Joseph raised by a stepmom. His brothers didn't want him. His brothers didn't want anything to do with him. They tried to kill him. They tried to assassinate he and his dream. But yet God says, Joseph, I'm going to use you to feed a nation in the middle of famine. I'm going to use you to be the supply chain for my people. I'm going to use you. And you're gonna, I'm going to get glory out of your life, Joseph. It doesn't matter that the odds are stacked against you. Because God's just looking for a piece of cheap bread. It'll say, Lord, I put myself, I put myself in your hands. Come on. I put myself at your feet, Lord. I submit myself in obedience to your voice and to your word. In the name of Jesus, God's looking. We, we, we preach a lot about David. We sing a lot about David. We, we glorify and glamorize David's life. But the reality is David was overlooked by his father. David was the least among his brethren. David was the one. He was the last one picked on the team. Hear me when I tell you. David was the runt of the litter. He was the last person. They, they weren't ever picking David to play basketball. They weren't ever picking David to play dodgeball. They weren't ever picking David to be on the team. In fact, they didn't even want David around. They didn't even like being around David. They kept him tucked away on the backside of the desert. But when the prophet comes to anoint the next king, uh, he keeps looking. He keeps looking. And there's the biggest and then there's the brightest. And they parade every one of them in front of the prophet. And God says it's not him. Because man looks on the outward appearance. Uh, man looks at it and says it's just cheap bread. It's just a barley loaf. Uh, that's what man sees uh, but God looks at something on the inside uh, that can be broken, uh, that can be blessed, uh, that can be multiplied uh, when it's put into his hands. And God says, uh, if you will put it in my hands, uh, I can win a great victory. If you'll put it in my hands, uh, I can do a work that only I can do. That only I can be glorified for. Somebody stand to your feet right now. Lift up both your hands to heaven. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> la